0: All right, everyone, come on in. Those of us who are joining by streaming tonight, welcome. We are glad once again to be in God's house on a Wednesday night. Uh, It's good to see everyone here. And uh, we want to welcome a returning very, very special guest. Aaron Hope Coleman is back with us. (laughs) Mom and Dad. So those of you who are streaming with us, we are so glad to see Erin Hope back with us. She's been away from us along with her parents and her sisters from time to time for quite a while. So it is good to see them back in their place tonight. Uh, And I'm grateful you are in your place. And those of you who are streaming with us tonight, thank you as we continue on through this Bible study. As we look at the high points of the Bible and the thread that joins it all together. The thread of God's love, His grace, His mercy. And Tonight, if you are joining us for the first time or you have missed a few, this is the center point of the Bible that we have reached tonight. I'm glad everyone is with us. Uh, This is primary to our salvation, to the grace of God offered to us as we uh, embark in this lesson tonight. So let's get started with a word of prayer. Our Lord and our God, thank you for every person who is with us tonight here in the sanctuary. The Colmans are back with us. We are so thankful, Lord. Uh, Aaron Hope has been through quite an ordeal and yet what a brave and great young lady she is Lord. Thank you for the healing that you have given her and continue to give her day by day Lord. And we thank you for every person who's with us by streaming tonight and those who are listening in the parking lot by FM signal Lord. All of us are together under the grace and blessing of a Savior who loves us Father. And tonight we reach the center point of the Bible. All of the Bible revolves around what we're going to talk about tonight and next week, Lord. And so we're thankful to be opening your word together tonight. And we pray your blessing upon it, Father. We pray that you will pull up beside us and that you will be our teacher, Lord. Thank you that you use me as your instrument, but you are the teacher. And we surrender and I surrender to you, Father. Bless us, we pray, as we open your precious word and hear some of the most precious message of God's love for us as we share it together tonight in Jesus' precious name. Amen. All right. as we begin tonight, we are on lesson number 23 out of 32, so we're kind of getting on the home stretch here. Uh, But tonight, the general heading that we have been under is the Messiah, and we are still in that heading of the life of Jesus Christ, the Messiah of the world. And tonight, we are going to study the crucifixion, uh, the, the sacrifice of the final lamb. Uh, we know that all of the sacrificial system of the Old Testament is pointing to this moment. All of the lambs and bulls and sheep and goats uh, sacrificed uh, throughout the centuries of Israel from their wandering in the wilderness with the tabernacle on through the days of temple worship. All of the sacrificial system culminates in this moment. This is everything that the Old Testament pointed to in its system of sacrifice With this lesson and next week on the resurrection, we are at the heart and the centerpiece and the high water mark of the Bible. This is how God gives us His blessing, His salvation, His grace. All of the Bible, from Genesis to the New Testament word of the Gospels, is building toward and pointing toward these three days of human history. Uh, The Friday of Jesus' crucifixion. Through the Sunday morning of his resurrection. And so here we are. Uh, We've been building to this moment for 22 lessons, and here we are tonight in lesson 23. Last week, we studied the night of prayer uh, in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus praying so deeply, so emotionally, so fervently in that garden that he actually sweat blood. Uh, I mentioned last week, and I looked this up just so I could give you some medical knowledge here. the, the act of actually sweating blood is a medical condition. It is a physical condition called hemotidrosis. That's the medical term for that, where capillaries under the skin actually burst under the pressure of someone being so emotionally and physically involved in a trauma that the capillaries under the skin actually burst. Uh, Break and break into the sweat glands, and the sweat actually becomes bloody. So, Jesus absolutely physically did sweat blood in that Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, He was then dragged through a night of trials after he was betrayed and turned in. He went through trial, he went through mockery, through beatings, through flogging, through reproach throughout that night that led to the day of the old rugged cross. The last stop of that sentence to a cross had had to come through the Roman government. Now, while the leading Jewish authorities wanted him dead, Jesus could not die on a cross by the desire of the Jewish community. Uh, We discussed this last week very briefly. You remember that the cross was not the Jewish form of capital punishment. Stoning was the form of capital punishment in the Jewish system of punishment. But I want you to listen. The reason Jesus was crucified, he was not stoned to death as the final lamb. He was crucified as the final lamb. There's a reason for that. And you remember that Jesus tells us in the Gospels that his life was lived to fulfill the prophecies about him in the Old Testament. It was prophesied in the Old Testament the way he would die. Write down this reference. There are several of them, but one of them to write down is Psalm 22. Verses 13 through 18. You can flip there with me or just listen and write that reference down. Psalm 22, verses 13 through 18. Listen to this prophecy in the Psalms. They gaped upon me with their mouths as a ravening and, and, and a roaring lion. I am poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted in the midst of my bowels. My strength is dried up like a potsherd. My tongue cleaveth to my jaws, and thou hast brought me into the dust of death. For dogs have compassed me. The assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. Listen, they pierced my hands and my feet. I may tell all my bones. They look and stare upon me. They part my garments among them and cast lots upon my vesture. And so you can see prophecy fulfilled in the New Testament as indeed Jesus' hands and feet were pierced by the nails, the spikes of the cross. And as he was dying on the cross, the soldiers gambled for his clothing uh, as he hung there. Also, another uh, prophecy for you to write down is Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10. So we have a minor prophet, Zechariah, prophesying about the death of Jesus listen to this verse Zechariah 12 10 and I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplications and they shall look upon me whom they have pierced and they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son and shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. God's only begotten Son, pierced by way of the cross. of prophecy in the book of Zechariah, many years before Jesus literally died on the cross. Then also, finally, we go all the way back to the book of Deuteronomy, one of the books of the Bible that Moses wrote. Moses, of course, wrote the first five books, the Pentateuch of the Bible. This is part of that, Deuteronomy. Chapter 21, verse 23. So we're going far back into history now. Deuteronomy 21, verse 23. Here is another prophecy Jesus fulfilled on the old rugged cross. And his body shall not remain all night upon the tree, but thou shalt in any wise bury him that day, for he that is hanged is accursed of God, that thy land... Be not defiled, which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance. So here is a death on a tree. You also know that Jesus did not hang on that cross for an overnight period. It was Passover. They had to get him down off of that cross, get him spiced and buried before Passover began. And so we see the prophecy not only of the tree but also of the timing of the cross and how long Jesus would be there. So in order to fulfill prophecy, which is of huge significance as we get to the New Testament, looking back to the Old Testament, Jesus had to die by piercing, and he had to die on the tree by way of prophecy in the Old Testament. Now as we take these first steps into our lesson of the crucifixion tonight, we begin by recognizing once again that the cross is the Roman form of capital punishment Uh, And so that means a Roman governor had to uh, sentence Jesus to that uh, that execution. It could not be given by a Jewish priest or even someone who was involved in the law. It would have to come from a Roman government official. And that's where Pilate comes onto the scene. The crucifixion rests squarely on Pilate and his shoulders... Uh, With that in mind, let's look at Pilate's dilemma. Uh, Pontius Pilate is mentioned in all four of the Gospels, but I want you to go to Matthew 27 with me tonight. If you have your Bible with with you, I hope you do. Matthew 27, and we're going to look at verses 1 and 2, first of all, and then we're going to skip on up to verse 11. But look at Matthew 27, verses 1 and 2. Of course, here we are. On the day of Jesus going to the cross, when the morning was come, all the chief priests and elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death. And when they had bound him, they led him away and delivered him to Pontius Pilate the governor. Now, go on up to verse 11. And Jesus stood before the governor. And the governor asked him, saying, Art thou the king of the Jews? And Jesus said unto him, Thou sayest. And when he was accused of the chief priests and elders, he answered nothing. Then said Pilate unto him, Hearest thou not how many things they witness against thee? And he answered him never a word, insomuch that the governor marveled greatly. At this point, Pilate has an inner urging and an inner feeling, a gut feeling really, that this man really does not deserve death. These questions are directed to Jesus in an effort to find a reason not to crucify him. Only heinous criminals ever deserve the cross, and Pilate could not see that heinous crime in this man. This man who stood before him did not fit the mold of most of the criminals who stood before him deserving crucifixion. But I want you to look at Matthew 27, 14 again. It says that Pilate marveled. Why was he amazed at Jesus' silence? The reason Pilate marveled at this moment and Jesus not replying to him is this. Silence before the Roman governor... Was an automatic admission of guilt. If you didn't cry for your own pardon, if you didn't give some reasoning as to why you should not go to the cross, if you were absolutely silent before the Roman governor, you were admitting your guilt. Again, Pilate did not feel that Jesus deserved death, but Jesus didn't plead his case, Jesus didn't ask to be delivered from the cross. He didn't beg for his life. That further complicated the fact that Pilate just did not feel led to sentence this man to the cross. Well, we talked about Pilate's struggle last week, how in his own heart he did not feel that Jesus deserved death. If you also remember, his own wife sent him a message. Pilate's wife said, I have had a dream that has troubled me, that has Led me to believe this man really has no dealings with you. You should not crucify him. This, this dream has hounded me all day long. Don't crucify this man. But public opinion and public pressure finally weighs on Pilate's shoulders. Some of the Romans were calling for the crucifixion, but the Jewish population. Calling, crucify him, crucify him, stirred up by the high priest and the scribes and the Pharisees. And so Pilate gives in. You remember that he washes his hands once, that, once he pronounces this sentence of death. He washes his hands of the whole thing and says, Now you all take care of that. I've done what I need to do. I'm sentencing him to death, but you now take care of it. I've washed my hands of this entire process. But he turns Jesus over to be scourged. A scourging was a beating to within inches of a man's life. By the way, a woman never went to the cross, only a man. The scourging preceded the cross always. It was meant to weaken a man to the point that he was almost dead before he got to the cross. So he wouldn't fight the cross so much. And of course, with the scourging is where the physical horror of Jesus' punishment begins. First, the scourging. It's also called flogging. It was the legal preliminary to the cross. The man was beaten on the backside of his body. Across his back, his buttocks, his lower and upper legs. Uh, Probably most of you have studied this passage along the way, and you know it was a whip that had leather straps or thongs on the whip. And at the end of each one of those leather straps was either a piece of animal bone that had been sharpened or a piece of metal so that every time that whip went across the back of that prisoner those metal pieces and bone pieces dug into the flesh so that as the lictor pulled the whip away it pulled skin and flesh with it. A horrible, horrible punishment something that we can't even get in our minds unimaginably painful And when it's over, the backside of that man looks like ribbons of flesh just hanging there uh, because of the beating. It's been said that 40 lashes would kill a man. Most of the time a scourging was 39 lashes. Just enough to keep him alive, to get him to the cross. After the scourging, Jesus was then mocked by soldiers. They struck him. They spat on him. They pushed a crown of thorns on his head. In mockery, you're such a king. Here's a crown for you. And so they pushed the crown of thorns upon his head. And then, as you know, Jesus was forced to carry his own cross to the place of his execution. In his weakened state, it was very, very difficult for him to carry his own cross. In fact, you know that a man was called out of the crowd. Simon called out of the crowd to bear his cross for him when he got to the point that he couldn't carry it by himself. Probably the cross that he bore, although many of the pictures show us with the entire cross laid on his shoulder and him taking it and dragging it along, actually, according to history, most of the time, the prisoner did not carry the entire cross. The, the upper vertical section which is called the stipes, was already mounted in the ground and uh, and the cross beam that was the horizontal was what was really carried now of course there were other methods in that the whole cross the prisoner was mounted on the cross and the entire cross was lifted up and as it dropped into the hole that was the first uh, of an amazing amount of pain that came so there were ways to do the crucifixion the most of the ways especially in this land area uh, historians who have studied that is that jesus carried just the upper section of his cross um and was then mounted to the vertical section but here's what i want to do tonight and for some of you you've already heard this uh if you have uh, bear with me although i never get tired of hearing it uh when it comes to hearing how awful the crucifixion was if i can say it that way uh, There is a a medical journal, the Journal of the American Medical Association. Its short name is JAMA, J-A-M-A. And in March of 1986, part of the articles in JAMA was the medical description of the crucifixion. This is not, it has nothing to do with a spiritual interpretation of what happened. The Journal of the American Medical Association simply gave an article as to medically what happened to Jesus during the crucifixion. And I want to read you a part of that. Although it's a very long article, and if you're interested in it, I'll give you a copy of the article. But I'm going to read you only the section of the article dealing with just the crucifixion itself. But this article goes through the scourging, uh, how horrible it was. But I want you just to hear some words uh, from Jama about the actual crucifixion itself and the medical description of what Jesus went through for our forgiveness with arms outstretched but not taut, the wrists were nailed to the patibulum that's the horizontal section it has been shown that the ligaments and bones of the wrist can support the weight of a body hanging from them but the palms cannot accordingly the iron spark uh, spikes were probably were driven between the radius and the carpals, or between the two rows of carpal bones, either proximal to or through the strong band-like flexor reticulum and the various intercarpal ligaments, so in the wrist rather than the palm. Although a nail in either location in the wrist might pass between the bony elements and thereby produce no fractures, The likelihood of painful periosteal injury would seem great. Therefore, the the driven nail would crush or sever the rather large sensory motor median nerve. The stimulated nerve would produce excruciating bolts of fiery pain in both arms. Although the severed median nerve would result in paralysis of a portion of the hand... Ischemic contractures and impalement of various ligaments by the iron spike might produce a, a claw like grasp. Most commonly, the feet were fixed to the front of the stipes by means of an iron spike driven through the first or second intermetatarsal space just distal uh, to the joint it is likely that the deep perineal nerve and branches of the medial and lateral plantar nerves would have been injured by the nails. Although scourging may have resulted in considerable blood loss, crucifixion per se was a relatively bloodless procedure since no major arteries other than perhaps the deep plantar arch passed through the favored anatomic sites of the crucifixion. The major pathophysiologic effect of crucifixion beyond the excruciating pain was a marked interference with normal respiration, particularly exhalation. The weight of the body pulling down on the outstretched arms and shoulders would tend to fix the intercostal muscles in the inhalation state and thereby thereby hinder passive exhalation. Accordingly, Exhalation was primarily diaphragmatic and breathing was shallow. It is likely that this form of respiration would not suffice and that hypercarbia would soon result. The onset of muscle cramps or contractions due to fatigue and hypercarbia would hinder respiration even further. Adequate exhalation required lifting the body by pushing up on the feet and by flexing the elbows and adducting the shoulders, however, this maneuver would place the entire weight of the body on the tarsals and would produce searing pain. Furthermore, flexion of the elbows would cause rotation of the wrists about the iron, iron nails and cause fiery pain along the damaged median nerves. Lifting of the body would also painfully scrape the scourged back against the rough wooden stipes, Muscle cramps of the outstretched and uplifted arms would add to the discomfort. As a result, each respiratory effort would become agonizing and tiring and lead eventually to asphyxia. The actual cause of death by crucifixion was multifactorial and varied somewhat by each case. But the two most prominent causes probably were a hypovolemic shock and exhaustion asphyxia. Other possible con- contributing factors include dehydration, stress-induced arrhythmias of the heart, and congestive heart failure. Crucifaction, or breaking the legs below the knees, if performed led to an asphyxic death within minutes. Death by crucifixion was, in every sense of the word, excruciating, which comes from the Latin word excruciatus, or out of the cross. Now, I know that was some pretty fancy language. I'm lucky to have gotten through most of those words. But basically, Jesus nailed to the cross had to push himself up with his legs in order to breathe. In the relaxed position, you cannot breathe at all. And the pain is just amazing. You know, we can't even get our minds around the pain that Jesus went through in the physical aspect of dying on the cross. In the Garden of Eden, God poured out his love by creating human beings. And I believe fully at that moment That God himself knew with our creation that he would have to die to save us. God created us knowing that he would have to sacrifice himself. That we might be able to be with him forgiven. It tells us in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4. He hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. Even before he created the universe. The plan of the cross was already set. That's amazing to me. In the garden of Gethsemane, he poured out his tears, agonizing over the punishment that he was going to face as the Savior of the world in the next few hours. And of course, as we spoke last week, Jesus asked that cuff of suffering to be removed from him. And I, again, remind you, especially if you were not with me last week, let me say this, that we know that Jesus was fully God and fully man. There, is an, there was an old uh, theological thought that Jesus was fully God and only pretended to be fully physically man. However, when we hear Jesus asking God the Father... Is there any other way to save human beings than through the cross? I ask this cup of suffering to be taken away from me. To me, that is proof that Jesus was fully man because he was going to face the agony of the cross and he knew the pain that was coming. And yet, we know that Jesus fully submitted and surrendered to the will of his Father. And if his Father said the cross is necessary, Jesus says, I am willing to take that cup upon myself I'm willing to go that route so Jesus was fully compliant to his father's will in the ugly garden of Golgotha Calvary he bore the sheer agony of the cross for six hours before he physically died Jesus was not nailed to the cross by Roman soldiers no one forced him to go to the cross love put him on the cross The soldiers were nothing more than the way he he was put there. But they did not force him there. Pilate did not force him there. But rather his love for you and me and for a lost humanity mounted Jesus to the cross. And of course we know our sins were nailed with him on that old rugged cross. He was willing to be the sacrifice for our sins. The king of kings... And the Lord of lords stretched out his arms in submission to the Father's will. He took our punishment, yours and mine. And Peter puts the will of the Father so plainly. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9. Peter wrote, The Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And the reason Peter can write that is because Jesus went to the cross to take our punishment. Because God was not willing that any one of us perish and go to hell. But Jesus took that punishment for us. We studied a miracle that took place way back in this thread study. Uh, Back in lesson 11, we discussed the tabernacle of God. That movable tent that went with the Israelites as they wandered in the wilderness and as they moved through Canaan. God's sanctuary traveled with them as they wandered. And in that tent, through the temple structure, later on, there was a room that was called the Holy of Holies. And you recall that uh, that Holy of Holies, that special room, was a room that was inaccessible to the people. Sinners could not approach God in His perfect holiness. Sinners could not enter that room of God's holiness. That holy room was separated from... By, from the people by a very thick veil or a very thick curtain. No one except the high priest and he alone once a year could go into that Holy of Holies to make atonement for the sins of the people of Israel. In fact, uh, a, little, a, a little fact that I, I can't forget is that uh, there was a rope t- attached tied to the high priest so that if he had a medical emergency or a heart attack and died in the Holy of Holies, it was so holy they could not go in to retrieve him. They would drag him out if he had the need. Uh, That's how holy that room was. Only the high priest, only once a year, could go before the holiness of God to represent the people. But the moment Jesus died, the veil in the temple was torn in two. That was no small feat. Scripture teaches us that the veil was very thick. Some have estimated between four and six inches thick. It was so heavy uh, and so thick of separation between God and the people. And yet, when Jesus gave himself to the old rugged cross and died there, that veil was torn by the very power of God in two, symbolically saying the holiness of God is open and available to anyone who will come to me. Jesus' death shows us the face of God's love, God's redemption, God's grace. Tonight, this lesson is rather short as we think about the crucifixion. Next week, we will be looking at the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Uh, as we close the lesson, we see Nicodemus getting permission to remove the body of the cross. Of course, the sermons on Sunday mornings, and if you're not... Uh, joining me on Sunday mornings yet, please join me this coming Sunday morning because we're going to cover the most memorized verse of Scripture in all of the Bible, Romans, I rather, John three 16. Uh, and uh, as we cover the life and the conversation of Nicodemus with Jesus, we know that he came to Jesus as Lord and Savior because he shows up later on uh, in Jesus' earthly ministry. He is the one who retrieves Jesus' body from the cross. He gets permission from the Roman government to remove that body from the cross. And the lifeless, limp corpse of Jesus of Nazareth was quickly prepared with spices, wrapped and placed in a borrowed tomb. The death of Jesus. And left behind were many who loved him, and many of the disciples who had followed him and loved him and heard him preach and, and saw his miracles and were there for his ministry, many of them were left saying, What do we do now? Now our Savior, our Lord, is dead. And many who hated Jesus joined in a satanic glee because he was finally gone. They finally got their desire. He was off the scene. They had gotten rid of him. But I want to close this lesson tonight with the words of Pastor S.M. Lockridge, who said, It's Friday, but Sunday's coming. Tonight, as we close the lesson, we see the thread of God's grace and God's blessing, the grace of God. Amazingly to me, if you read the Old Testament and see how the Israelites failed him over and over, they would come to him and they would fall away and get into wickedness and get into problems and get into judgment. And then they would repent of their sin and come back, and it was a cycle that repeated itself. While they were so frustrating, if you read it, you get frustrated about the way they lived. God loved his people. God continues to love his people. And even though God's anger burned against them so often, He never left them. God's anger burns against sin. But His love overcomes our sin by way of the old rugged cross. God Himself died for us. That's almost a a concept that's hard to even take in in our mental image, that God Himself laid down His life for you, For me, for every person of every nation, of every color in the world. Praise God for the cross. Praise God that he alone became the final lamb of sacrifice. Let's pray together. Our Father, our God, tonight, our hearts are moved by what you have done for us, Lord. Medically, as we consider the word of the cross, Father, it's, it's a punishment that we can't even begin to understand its pain. We can't understand the pain of scourging. We can't understand, Lord, even the pain of the emotional stress that Jesus went through prior to and during the cross. And yet, even under the stress of the cross and the agonizing punishment, Jesus took the time to say, take care of my mother. Thank you, Lord, that on the old rugged cross... He made time to take care of me, to take care of every one of us in forgiveness of our sin and adoption into the family of God. And so, Lord, tonight, as humbly as we can say it, thank you for the cross. Thank you for laying down your life that we might be a child of God. It's the only way it could happen. We couldn't earn it. We couldn't pay for it. We can't be morally pure enough or good enough we can't be kind enough to earn salvation it comes only by way of the cross so lord we bow our heads to say thank you for what you have done for us we pray lord that not only do we just sit here and say thank you for what you've done for us but may we have a passion and a zeal and a desire to take this good news into the world because you died for all may we give that gospel message in our own lives lord May we share the good news of Jesus Christ. Bless us, we pray. Thank you for everyone who shares this study with us tonight. Lord, I ask your blessing on each one as we open your word and as we allow it to touch our hearts and bring us to our knees. And it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Streaming group, thank you for joining us tonight. God bless you. Hope I see you Sunday and again next week as we consider the resurrection.